For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. From Meteor's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. It is now illegal to fish from under a bridge in Cape Coral, Florida. That's right. The nation and the state of Florida, which if I had to live there and not fish, I guess suicide would be the only option, can now rest easy. I'm sure you can guess the complaints. Trash under the bridges. Cars parked near the bridges. Uh, But, you know, to my knowledge, parking near a bridge is still legal, and people who leave trash under bridges aren't necessarily there to fish. One Cape Coral resident said the fishing under the bridge scene got so bad that someone was fishing from his dock at night. Woof, scary stuff. Of course, other residents of Cape Coral are upset as walking to the bridge and sitting under it in the shade to fish is exactly why they purchased a house close by. Can you believe all the other media outlets are covering the Russian invasion of Ukraine while tiny Cape Coral, Florida is defending its bridges from fisher persons? Day and night, tiny Cape Coral, Florida, standing up to people who want to fish. To give you an idea of what they are up against, in 2020, the state of Florida had 2.4 million active recreational fishing licenses, over 120,000 jobs related to fishing, and about $13.8 billion worth of economic impact related to fishing, which I am sure is important to Florida and Cape Coral, Florida, as long as you don't do it under a bridge. This week... We've got the crime desk, wolves, whitetails, and open fields. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was good. 
Well, Snorticus and I are back into the swing of training. Spring training, I guess you'd call it. Working on our backs and overs and not dropping the darn dummy before I say give. Repetition fixes everything. I'm confident we'll get there. And speaking of getting there, I'm looking forward to getting over to Missoula, Montana to the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Rendezvous. If you've never been, I encourage you to go. Tickets are on sale now. Lots of seminars ranging from tracking skills to legislation, wild game cook-offs, gear, and serious storytelling, both structured and non. That's happening again in Missoula, Montana, May 13, 14, and 15. I'll be there. You should go. I'll see you there. On top of that, the new season of Cal in the Field, the YouTube series tied to this podcast, is live now on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. Check that out. And remember, if you have a great topic, we need to go explore it. Let me know at A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at meateater.com. And last but not least, the Land Access Initiative. That's where we raise a bunch of money and donate a bunch of money to provide more access to hunting and fishing. Is live right now. Go to TheMeatEater.com and you can learn more about it and even submit a property or project for me to take a look at. Here's an example for you. There's a chunk of ground that sits in between two pieces of Bureau of Land Management ground. This relatively small piece of private ground in between would allow access to almost 2,000 additional acres of great sagebrush habitat. It's not near anything per se. It's great hunting ground, primarily for antelope and sage grouse, maybe some sharp tails on occasion. But currently, we don't legally have access to it. Let me know your thoughts on whether or not we should pick that up. Moving on to the crime desk. In Nebraska, a Florida man was forced to sell his land and home after repeated hunting violations in the Cornhusker state. Trouble began for 60-year-old Daryl W. Futch when someone reported to the game warden that a hunting guide had been baiting whitetail, which is legal to feed deer in Nebraska, but it's illegal to hunt those fed deer within 200 yards of a feeding site. It didn't take long for wardens to prove that Futch was doing exactly that, and in the fall of 2020, he paid $2,000 in damages and agreed not to hunt or be in the presence of hunters for two years. According to the Lincoln Star Journal, that last stipulation was added because Futch was reportedly guiding other Florida residents on whitetail hunts using land he had leased in Nebraska. You could say he was fudging the rules, or maybe just fudging himself. But Futch was back in Nebraska the next whitetail season, and word soon spread that, quote, that, you know, Florida guy's back in town. This time, wardens discovered that Futch owned a house and a few acres of land, and he had been driving hunters around a leased area looking for deer. Law enforcement officials planted a trail cam across the street from his house, and they watched Futch unload three deer carcasses, a tree stand, and a feeder. When they searched his home, they discovered all manner of evidence that he had been deer hunting or in the presence of hunters, including five whitetail bucks, five feeders, and a freezer containing only deer meat. Because Futch had violated the terms of his 2020 plea deal, prosecutors decided to get creative. Futch used his house as a home base for his illegal hunting operation. So they struck another deal that required Futch to sell his home in Morrill County, not rent or buy land in the county for five years, abstain from hunting, fishing, and guiding for five years, and abstain from being around, quote, any other activity that could be associated with hunting. 
Prosecutors acknowledged that the deal was a little outside the box, but they believe it'll keep the Florida man from guiding whitetail hunts in Nebraska for the foreseeable future. And if he actually follows through, he could become a heck of a golfer or maybe a crocheter or, you know, whatever other activities non-hunters do. Over in California, a man just pleaded guilty to stealing two black bear cubs and obstructing law enforcement agents. That man, a 29-year-old Cody Dillon Setzer, gave the bears up to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife because he said he couldn't take care of them. You know, because they're bears. He initially told wildlife officials that he had found the cubs on the side of the road, but a subsequent investigation found no evidence of a den near where Setzer said he picked them up. Further investigation revealed that Setzer and his co-worker at a timber company had stumbled upon a den made from a fallen log and snatched the cubs before the mother realized what was happening. Setzer was forced to pay nearly $3,000 in fines and fees and complete 200 hours of community service. If he steps out of line again during the next 12 months, he could spend 90 days in jail. The cubs were sent to the Lake Tahoe Wildlife Care Center, which said they were the youngest ever brought to the facility. They've been released back into the wild after growing old enough to survive on their own, which is an incredibly positive spin to this story. Hats off to the Lake Tahoe Wildlife Care Center. Moving on to Minnesota. A walleye poacher was recently busted for catching and keeping nearly 10 times the legal limit. The state only allows possession of six fish, but when game wardens followed up on a tip, they found 59 fish in the man's freezer. The 60-year-old named James Dan Matson was reportedly keeping the small stockpile of walleye to serve to his guests during Vikings games, which is just about the most Minnesota thing you'll ever hear. In fact, the words, uh, yep, mm-hmm, yep, popped into my head immediately. Matson is no stranger to wildlife violations. He's been charged in the past for illegally netting whitefish, fishing with an extra line, and removing parts of a big game animal before tagging it. Matson has been forced to pay just over $4,800 in fines, and he spent several nights in jail. According to wildlife officials, he caught most of the walleye on Whiteface Reservoir and on Birch Lake. He used a Lindy rig, trolling two to three miles per hour, and a live minnow on an eighth-ounce jig. It's just a guess. That wasn't in the article. Moving on. Game wardens in New York busted anglers on the Hudson River in March for the taking of striped bass out of season. They issued 36 summons for charges related to these offenses, but one of those individuals doubled down on his poaching activity for a little surf and turf. This man had shot an opossum in the parking lot, and wardens discovered the man roasting the marsupial over an open fire. Opossums are a regulated game animal in New York, and hunting them is only allowed during season. I gotta say, if I was a warden, I would have said, here's your citation for the striper. And this citation here for the opossum is going to go in the fire if you sit and eat that whole thing in front of me right now. Moving on to the wolf desk. A group of 24 conservation organizations, including BHA, the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, and the National Wild Turkey Federation, sent a letter last week to Interior Secretary Deb Holland. The letter urges the secretary to appeal a recent court decision that returned gray wolves to the endangered species list. 
The group letter states that the court's decision misinterprets the ESA and creates a situation in which recovered species are prevented from being delisted, even when the best available science determines that delisting is consistent with the ESA. As we covered on this show in episode 147, and probably a bunch of other episodes, a federal judge restored in February federal protections for gray wolves in the Great Lakes region. The judge argued that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service failed to consider threats to wolf populations outside the Great Lakes and northern Rocky Mountain areas, where populations are stable and growing. These conservation groups argue that the case is ripe for appeal because the court never claimed that the future existence of wolves is threatened across the lower 48 states. The court also did not find that the state management of wolves threatens their continued existence. Instead, according to this letter, the court relied on, quote, narrow legal and technical issues worthy of being appealed. We'll see if the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service responds. Secretary Holland penned an op-ed in February, which she expressed support for relisting wolves. And the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service hasn't yet indicated that they plan to appeal. That's not stopping some states from getting ready for the day when wolves are once again removed from the endangered species list. According to the Sportsman's Alliance, another group that signed this letter, Michigan is considering a resolution urging the Michigan Wolf Management Advisory Council to adopt wolf hunting and trapping as part of the state's wolf management plan. The recent court ruling makes wolf hunting illegal in Michigan, but proponents of this resolution want to make sure the state is ready to hold a wolf season once the federal government returns control of the species to the state. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. Just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something. 
because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Moving on to the legislation desk. First up, Minnesota. HF 3970 would end the registration of new whitetail deer farms, outlaw the movement of farmed whitetails except for the purposes of slaughter, and allocate state funds for a voluntary herd buyout program. HF 3903 allocates funds to compensate operators of captive deer farms for movement bans implemented in response to chronic wasting disease. These two might seem like dueling bills, one aiming to put an end to captive cervids, one aiming to keep those operations afloat in the CWD era. But both could ease the transition if the state does decide the risk of farm deer outweigh the benefits. The CWD reimbursement bill could soften the landing for operators to retire or find another line of work, while the first bill starts to wind down the industry in Minnesota entirely. Of course, these wouldn't be the first governmental whitetail herd buyouts. The USDA has been paying deer farmers all over the country to close down for years. In 2019, the U.S. taxpayer spent $270,956 doing so. As we've said before, there are a lot of conscientious deer farmers out there who rigorously test their herds, scrupulously maintain high double fences, and properly dispose of animals who test positive for CWD. But the bad actors, and the less conscientious ones, are contributing to a situation that keeps getting worse. CWD wouldn't disappear if there were no more deer farms. But CWD problems that start at deer farms would be a thing of the past. If these bills, and ones like them, pass all over the country, and the industry does eventually end, I wonder what we'll think looking back. You don't often remember that a lot of people lost their livelihood when market hunting was banned. All right, Minnesotans, enough speculation. Call your reps and weigh in on Minnesota Bills HF3970 and HF3903. Thanks to listener Isaiah Tolo for writing in about those. Over to Oklahoma. Similar to the bad bill in Iowa, we mentioned a couple episodes back, Oklahoma Bill HB3280 would effectively end conservation easements in the state. Incredibly short-sighted. The bill would limit the amount of land in Oklahoma owned by the government to 10%. Currently, it's about 6% in the state. And all easements would expire after 30 years. Not only that, but any current easements that have existed for more than 30 years would immediately end. As it stands now, Oklahoma has just over 78,000 acres held in conservation easements by the USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service, and the earliest of those easements is from 1996. So although the 30-year expiration wouldn't put land onto the auction block right away, 
I'm looking at my watch and seeing that in about four years, a lot of wetlands, grasslands, and other wildlife habitat could possibly be the next condo development. And again, we'll ask why the state government is interfering with the rights of landowners to put as much of their land into conservation easements as they want for as long as they choose. Call your duly elected officials and tell them to vote no on HB 3280 and defend our rights to protect property. I promise you, Americans, nobody's going to look back 30 years from now and say, by God, we should have paved all that. It's just not going to happen. Again, this is incredibly short-sighted. Thanks to listener Brock Stuber for the tip on that one. It would hardly be a legislation roundup if we didn't have anti-trapping bills to cover. This time, New York, where Assembly Bill A3467 and Senate Bill S4459 aim to end all live foothold trapping across public land and private land, Both bills are currently in the Environmental Conservation Committee and may well die there. Two almost identical New York State bills died in committee in 2020. But anti-trapping groups will keep submitting this kind of bill waiting for the winds of public opinion to blow their way. So get on the phone and blow back. New Yorkers, call your reps and oppose A3467 and S4459. On the federal anti-trapping beat, H.R. 4716 would ban all body-gripping traps on national wildlife refuges, except to protect endangered species or control an invasive species when other means have failed. Wait a minute. The anti-trapping bill admits that trapping can benefit species? Who slipped that language in there? Pithily titled The Refuge from Cruel Trapping Act, H.R. 4716, is just the latest of a series of almost identical bills introduced in every session of Congress since 2009. None of these bills have survived long enough to come to a floor vote, but the number of co-sponsors on each bill is an interesting metric of anti-trapping support. In 2009, the bill had 65 co-sponsors. 2013, the number dropped to 25. But by 2017, it jumped to 93 before falling again in 2019. As of now, H.R. 4716 has 49 co-sponsors. Pretty middling. And my hunch is that this one ain't going to go anywhere. However, and especially if you're a Democrat, call your member of Congress and ask them either not to sponsor this bill or remove their current sponsorship. Not to impugn the sincerity of any of our public servants, but a lot of them don't really give a crap about trapping. They just give a crap about the people who do care about trapping. They're looking for an issue that will get them easy goodwill. If they learn that their constituents, in fact, hate bills like this one, then it's harder for anti-trappers to build gradual support that might sneak up on us. Thanks to Andrew Weiberg for alerting us to these trapping bills. Moving on from the legislature to the judiciary, A circuit court panel in Tennessee ruled this month that conservation officers may not come onto private property to investigate wildlife crime without a warrant. This ruling deems existing Tennessee law unconstitutional that protects exactly this kind of investigation by the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency. You Weekend Review fans will remember back to episode 102, where we covered a South Dakota bill forced through the legislature similarly banning game wardens from entering private property without a warrant. And, in late 2021, the Punxsutawney and Pitch Pine hunting clubs in Pennsylvania sued the state game commission over warrantless searches of their properties, so this movement is on the rise across the country. 
In episode 102, we mentioned the Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which protects against unreasonable searches and seizures, and the established interpretation of that amendment called the Open Fields Doctrine. Open fields has been a cornerstone of protecting the wildlife we all own when that wildlife happens to walk, flap, or swim onto private property. To understand it better, let's take a stroll over to Cal's constitutional law corner, as we hunters and anglers might be hearing a lot more about open fields in the months and years to come. The current precedent was established in the 1984 U.S. Supreme Court case Oliver v. United States. Seems old Oliver was growing marijuana in a field on his Kentucky property a mile away from his house, and state narcotics officers, without a warrant, walked past a no-trespassing sign, found the crop, and arrested its owner. The opinion in this case hinged on the actual wording of the Fourth Amendment, which reads, quote, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. That last word, effects, was established to mean personal belongings, but explicitly not open pieces of land away from buildings. The court found that open fields are not effects, which is a long way of saying that the current open fields doctrine is not a kind of polite agreement to let wardens fudge the rules to protect wildlife, but rather rests directly on the text of the Constitution itself. The three-judge Tennessee court panel disagreed. They ruled in favor of Hunter Hollingsworth and Terry Rainwaters, two men who sued the TWRA, Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency, over warrantless searches on their land that led to convictions for baiting wildlife. It's always interesting that these Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency officers were there because people were committing wildlife crimes. The judge's opinion declared that the Tennessee law upholding the open fields doctrine leads to, quote, intolerable risk of abusive searches and is unconstitutional, unlawful, and unenforceable. Interestingly, the Tennessee Constitution reads slightly differently than the U.S. Constitution, quote, the people shall be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and possessions from unreasonable searches and seizures. What do you think? Is an open field or ridge of woodland a possession, but not an effect? It is very possible that this ruling makes it to the U.S. Supreme Court to resolve the issue. As you may have heard, the Supreme Court has taken a rightward track in recent years, which typically means siding with private property protections so the open fields doctrine may become a thing of the past. It could be that the end of the open fields won't make too much difference. Maybe judges will start issuing warrants ASAP, and wardens will keep up with bad actors on private ground. Or maybe it'll become near impossible to enforce the illegal killing of wild animals on private property, as long as those animals don't leave the property. Time will tell. Thanks for the tip on that one. Story came into the Ask Cal mailbox from a correspondent who doesn't want to be named. We appreciate everyone's eyes and ears out there, which is another great point, right? Eyes and ears of hunters and anglers. That's where a lot of information game wardens use to bust poachers come from. Anonymous tips from members of our community. America's wildlife belongs to the people, managed by the states, and poaching is poaching whether it be on private land by the landowner or public land by a public landowner. The wildlife is not privatized. It belongs to all of us. No one is in favor of abuses of the law. No one. But how do we enforce the law 
especially in regards to the long-term viability of wildlife that does not care for three-strand barbed wire fences or no trespassing signs. And last but not least, we had a bunch more folks write in on the striped bass issue, and we thought we'd let you know that if you want to register your opinion with the Atlantic State's Marine Fisheries Commission, head on over to the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers website, click on the Take Action tab, go to Our Issues, and you'll see the item titled Help Recover the Striped Bass Fishery. Fill that out, send it off, and then go do one without the form letter too. Maybe make a phone call. Yeah, yeah. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods by writing in to A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at themeateater.com. Now that the snow banks have been eroding away and gross parts of your lawn have been popping up, you should probably dial in www.steeldealers.com and track down a local, knowledgeable steel dealer near you so you can trim, cut, and stack that mess away. Remember, they'll set you up with what you need, and they won't send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.